Greetings and welcome to The Thirsty Mage, the podcast that will reveal at the very end of the episode that the host wasn't really acting under their own volition all along. I'm Jordan Rudick, and as far as I know, I made the choice to host an episode on Final Fantasy III Pixel Remaster. Probably because I chose to. Uh, we were, uh, at NWR, we, we had the six games, and we were kind of dividing three of us, we're each going to take two, and I'm like, okay, well, if I take six... Uh, I'll take three, and then there's that funny combination of you know the American three versus the uh, Japanese three, and blah blah blah. Uh, and you know here we are, uh, a couple weeks later. Uh, joining me, still trying to figure out how you become a knight with onions. It's David Lloyd. Well, that's you know when when I when you start off as an onion knight, that's the beginning of uh, the journey for the hero. And to this day, I still don't know what an onion knight is. There must there must be some joke in there. Maybe maybe it doesn't translate over or something. I, these are I would these were just called like freelancers, like a freelancer class, right? That's how I always kind of knew that starting class. It doesn't really specialize in anything. Yeah, sure. They can be an onionite, or they can be just a, a freelancer. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's plenty of uh, fun localization things uh, throughout throughout video game history. So maybe this mm-hmm. is just one of those uh, inside things that we'll uh, maybe find out one day, or maybe maybe it's already out there. Why? But as yeah, far maybe. as I know, it's just a funny name for a, a job class. Uh, if the game, ex- game if the game itself doesn't explain to me what an Unite is, then I'm not going to look it up. You know, just just, right. just tell me. You know, I'll talk to someone in town and explain what my job is and yeah. and so on. Um, but yeah, so we're we're doing kind of a series of mini episodes on each of the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster entries. Uh, we've already recorded one. We wanted to do three uh, because uh, this is a what's interesting about three. I should say is that. This is the version of a game that never really came to the West, right? We're getting basically the NES version of three and the. Uh, the, the I'm trying to think the only version of three that came to the West is the one that came with the DS remake, right? That was people's first experience to with yep. three with Final Fantasy three outside of Japan. That's my understanding. Um, maybe there there's a. Uh, a wonky version on like Wonder Swan or something like that, but I think that was Japanese nope. only as well. Uh, you know what? Might be I, it. I just learned today mm. that the Wonder Swan version was canceled. Okay, yes, <laughs> I I know I I heard about that at some point, and yeah, so Wonder Swan and FF3 was you know, clicking in my mind somewhere. But okay, if yeah. it got canceled, then yeah. So this is pretty much it, right? So uh, what I, what I really appreciate about this game is that yeah, it. Um, reminds me of like that that NES aesthetic. Obviously, they, they've HDified it. They've added you know cool spell effects and stuff like that, and uh, the the uh, boost and uh, you know turning off encounter features that uh, that we love being added to uh, to remasters and re releases of games. But yeah, Final Fantasy three it, it's just such an interesting one because it feel it felt like a new game, like playing this game from beginning to end. I'd, I'd never finished the remake on DS. I'd played through it maybe about halfway a couple of times. Uh, I found it very long, cumbersome. I didn't always know where to go. Even with playing uh, with a guide, I just found it a little bit tricky. But um, this version, again, being able to sprint everywhere, turn off encounters, um, it, the world isn't huge. It felt bigger in the DS version. Uh, but here, it, it, it's it's more condensed. It feels much closer to the world of FF1, for example. Uh, but yeah, David, what are your what are your impressions of this game? Like, what, what you know, have you played other versions of it? Like, what do you what do you think about FF3 in general? Uh, this was my first my first go with it. I know I had started. I think there was a, a localized version, like a localized ROM or something like that, that yeah, I had way back that's when. Probably right. Yeah. And attempted to play that, and then it was like, nope. I just noped right out of it pretty quickly. It, it just uh, it it wasn't wasn't for me at the time. I was 
probably younger, less, uh, less patient. Mm. And I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that kind of experience. So this is my tr- first true playthrough of it. Uh, was pleasantly surprised. I feel like they had done a lot of uh, modernization. Uh, I'm sure from what I heard the there was a lot of rebalancing because I believe the original game was uh, quite punishing from, mm-hmm. from yeah. what I've read. Um, and uh, I, I didn't feel like there was some uh, moments of uh, challenge, I suppose, here and there. But for the most part, uh, it was neat playing in just kind of going through this different kind of Final Fantasy because this one was more, uh, I would say, less story driven and more gameplay driven in the fact mm-hmm. that the story is kind of non-existent to it or I, I don't even know if non-existent, just not not at the forefront, I guess. Like this it felt really, it felt uh, like there were just a bunch of mini stories kind of linking together. You know, you're solving yeah. someone's problem that takes you on the path towards a crystal. You kind of restore the crystal or whatever. You get some new job classes, then you go to the next place. You know, like it didn't feel like this big, major, you know, overarching narrative that you were kind of seeing from beginning through to the end. It did feel like, okay, I'm solving this person's problem in this area, then I'm going to the next place and solving their problem. And I think maybe about three quarters of the way through it, you do start to see like the threads kind of connecting together. But just, yeah, for for, for my go through my go through of this game, um, I, I was just kind of you know, enjoying playing around with the job classes. Um, I think it does something that w- would obviously be improved on in later games, but kind of forcing you to experiment, you know, forcing you to try out different job classes to see which ones would work better against a particular boss. So you were kind of rewarded for switching, not often, but switching enough so that you had some proficiency in different job classes, uh, at least for one or one or two of your characters, right? So you do have four characters in this game. Um, you do, and by the end of it, you know, get access to over a dozen job classes. Uh, you know, classics things like you know the thief who can actually open uh, locked doors if you have them at the front of your party. Um, you know, the, the mage types, uh, geomancer, dragoon. Uh, Dark Knight, like there are a lot and they're interesting and they'd, they'd be their characters or classes that would come up and end up becoming staples of Final Fantasy, right? You'd see them mm. e- even as early as FF4, you know, you have Kane, a Dragoon, you have Cecil, a Dark Knight becomes a Paladin. Uh, you have, you know, mage characters and Tella. There is a sage, actually, uh, job class in, in FF3, uh, you know, wizards like Element Forum. Yeah, I, mean, I guess that's right. Some of the some of the job classes you get at the end are super powerful. You get a you do get a ninja class who can throw these sh- shuriken items. Uh, maybe that's the I think that's the only thing they can throw that I remember. But they just hit for massive damage. And so, uh, what's cool is that the job classes you get later g- generally feel much stronger. And so you're you kind of you're not rewarded for, you're not rewarded for staying with the same job class the whole time but you're also not punished for um i guess you have having a super strong class uh, built up over time like you you'll get to switch later and experiment to play around with some new ones so that, i thought that was fun i i like that um yeah, the different bosses just just kind of you can probably beat them you know just kind of just toughing it out you know and maybe um figuring out your own strategy but there are some that just go down so fast when you switch to a particular class that, that maybe uses a certain weapon type or a weapon with a, a particular elemental affinity uh, just takes them down really quick. So uh, I, I, li- I liked all of those things about the game. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's yeah, it's the same with like, uh, I think the Dark Knight is kind of uh, almost a necessity for some of the fights because uh, the Dark Knight can do like the multiple attack, like yes. the multiple physical attack, uh, which can be quite useful when you get into like there's a few of those uh, mat or 
battles where you've got like nine enemies on the screen. Mm-hmm. And there was also a couple where uh, they actually um, multiplied and stuff. So yeah, it, yeah. If they, if they die or if you chop them, they split in half. And again, yeah. a very advanced mechanic for an NES game, you know, like that, that yeah. kind of enemy, enemy strategy or enemy feature. Like you, I, I'm, I was surprised to see something like that here. Yeah. I'm just surprised at some of the, it, it, it's, neat to play the game just to even see the evolution of what you could do on the nes because like Mm. obviously you had like the first game which is a classic but then you can see as like time goes on that they were really figuring out like okay well you know what can we what can we jam onto this cartridge yeah and and get in here and how can we evolve uh you know this this turn-based system that that really worked in the well that made them you know, the original Final Fantasy uh, kept square in the video game business game uh, when they first came out with it. So uh, to see them like w- try to improve upon it uh, within mm-hmm. that same generation is uh, is an interesting experience. I think, you know, in that vein, to your point, I think it's worth thinking about the fact that you've got these three NES Final Fantasies and you have one, you know, pretty standard turn-based JRPG. The second one, they just go off on a tangent in terms of the progression mechanics. Uh, even the keyword system is is kind of funky. Yeah. And then three is kind of a return to one, right? It's like, let's do one again, because, you know, there was a better reception to that game, maybe. But how do we do it better and bigger? So they literally double the map size. You know, there's kind of two worlds of the, in this game, basically. Um, not that it's not exactly double, but there's two kind of world maps. Um, then they add rather than restricting you to six job classes that you choose at the beginning of the game. Now you have, let's say, 18 job classes that you can switch throughout the game, right? Switch on the fly. So it's taking deliberate mechanics from one and saying, OK, let's do this bigger and better. Right. L- very literally. Um, and I, I, I respect it for that. I think that FF3 really does a good job of paving the way for what would come later. Uh, again, I mentioned like taking those job classes and adding story to them, right? No, maybe noticing that three didn't have a great or fulfilling story and saying, okay, we're going to go really heavy on story in number four, and, but we're not going to let you choose your classes. We're going to assign a class to each character, right? Yang is going to be your monk, you know, Sid is going to be your engineer, or or maybe a, you could consider him almost a geomancer with some of the uh, weapons he gets. Um, but, but everyone's going to have like one of these classes from three, you know, but now we've added, like we've added heart, we've added emotion to this story that that there's kind of missing from, from three. Mm -hmm. So something that's funny that happens in three actually is when the character, your character, your party or your characters actually do talk, right? They respond, but it's almost as if they're responding in unison or maybe that the lead character is responding. And so those responses turn out they don't have a lot of kind of emotional resonance to them they seem kind of canned you know like they're just like uh <laughs> like a, it's a basic like oh that, how terrible you know like oh yeah, we'll don't worry we'll help you like not not a lot of personality to them and then again in four you have all these distinct characters that have a lot of personality and they, they all you know feel different you can form easier to form attachments to them but just just thinking about the the evolution from one to two to three or basically from one to three, almost skipping over two. It, it, it's just an, it's more of an experiment from one to three and then three to four. I think that's kind of a fascinating trajectory that the company went on. Um, and obviously, we'll talk more about what happens after three and subsequent episodes. But um, I, I just like thinking about that. I, I think that it helps me appreciate and respect FF3 a lot more than I might normally or I might just on its own. Yeah, for sure. Like it's it's uh like you said, as you said, as the, as you get further in, you can see them 
focusing on those those different aspects and then you know adding you know build, it's just building blocks it's just fun For to sure. see those building blocks working up uh it's funny with with the the canned uh, you mentioned like the kind of the lack of emotion because mm-hmm. again like the you know I, I don't think we really need to get into the story because it, like we had mentioned at the beginning it's <laughs> there's not, not a whole lot to it it's mostly just like a you know, okay, we need to get to this place. How do we, how do we get there? Oh, we need mm-hmm. this item. Okay. Well now we need this to get to this place. And it's just kind of that. And then you kind of find out who the, who the enemy or the villain is. I don't even remember. It's been a while since I played, but I don't recall even meeting the villain until very end, <laughs> like near the end. Yeah. I, I think you, you hear their name, but I don't think you see them or, or are impacted by them until the end. I might, I might be yeah, able to remember that a little bit, but like the, I don't re- recall the boss even really revealing. It's not like they're like an antagonist throughout the game or anything. It's no. more just like this looming evil, uh, at the, at the end. And like everything's working towards like, well, defeating this, this person for whatever reason. And, mm-hmm. um, so it's, it seems like this, the story might have taken a bit of a backseat uh, with all the focus on the jobs, but yeah, and I, I think that's fine. Like, I think it, I think the yeah. job class system, because of an introduction to it, I think it's pretty well done. You know, there, there's obviously a lot more uh, meat, meat on the bone with with subsequent games in the in the series and in other games that use job classes, right? Like, what 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 what's dis- maybe disappointing in context, but um, disappointing about this job class system is that you really only get one or two abilities per class, and then your your class can get stronger, but it doesn't unlock anything. Like, you just you just become more proficient with that class, whatever that means. Like maybe you're, you're, uh, you get to more spell charges. The spell charges make a return here. Uh, maybe you you do more hits with your sword or with your whatever weapon you're using. Right. The 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 differences in your your power your or your skill uh, are very hard to detect in this game. Like you, if you okay, I've reached level twenty as a dark knight it might not feel very different from a level one dark knight. Like maybe the numbers do go up, but the fact that you're not really learning any new abilities or anything does kind of mute it a little bit. Um, you're buying spells in this game again, right? You're, you're purchasing them. Uh, and then you actually have to use them as items, which is kind of, it's kind of funny. Like you, yeah. you get them as an item in your inventory and you use it on a particular character. And then, then they have that spell. So it almost benefits you maybe to just have two characters as spellcasters and two non or, or maybe maybe you make everyone a spellcaster at some point. You give them all like basic curing spells or healing spells. Like that that could be a way to go too. Um, one funny thing this game does is it has a bunch of dungeons, at least more in the first half, where you actually have to change your form to access them. Like you have to use the mini spell oh, the or the frog spell, yeah. toad spell to get to actually get into the dungeon. But what also happens in there is that you're meant to stay in that form, I think. So, for example, in one of some of the mini dungeons where you actually have to walk through a miniature door to get in, you're supposed to stay in mini form. And in mini form, your physical attacks don't do any damage. They just do one uh, per hit. But your magic spells are fine. You can still cast spells. So in those ones, you're, you're almost being really pushed or forced to make sure you've got a couple of spell casters that can actually do damage there. Um, highly recommended, I guess the game yeah, is highly uh, recommending. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you could win those situations as, as just physical fighters. So, but it's just a matter of, you know, how many of your characters do you want to be able to sling spells at that point? You know, pr- probably two or three. 
Um, but yeah, it, it does some neat things with the dungeons. Um, I think the fact that you can turn off encounters is helpful for these dungeons as well, because there's, um, again, more in the first half. It kind of gets away. The second half of the game is weird a little bit. Um, the first half has dungeons that have secret passages and switches that you have to activate. Um, I think I think it makes the early part of the game more fun. Uh, the fact that you can kind of just walk around more and discover a little bit more in these spaces. You know, they're not overly complicated dungeons, but the fact that there is some extra kind of secret navigating you can do and some switches to activate like that that made them a little bit more uh engaging for sure it kind of goes the game goes away from that in the second half i'm not sure why there aren't as many secret switches or passages to access but um the fight the final dungeon is sorry i was gonna say that the final dungeon in this game is brutal like i i can't imagine doing this without any kind of boosts or or turning off the encounters it is a massive final dungeons multiple multiple parts that's what i had to do (laughs) because my steam version didn't have those and it's funny because um to me it's it's the random encounters are noticeably higher in three than they are in one like noticeably and that's saying something for nes games to begin with because they already kind of had well, it could, like I, I suppose in the modern context, it's it seems uh, you know a, a lot more than than typical games you'd play now. Anyway, where where they're pretty much like all on the the battlefield now. There are not too many games left to do random, but three definitely felt like there was a lot more. Like it felt like I'd take like four or five steps and then boom, and then four or five steps and then boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess that the reason I can only one of the reasons I can think of why an encounter rate would be high is because you expect the bosses to be pretty tough. Um, yeah, I, I again, I had I had four times on experience, but slightly mitigating that is the fact that I had encounters turned off most of the time. I still found the bosses pretty easy. I don't think they threw a lot at you. The only time I got stuck was when it was obvious that you needed to be using a particular job class to really do well. There's one like flying or bird type enemy where you're supposed to switch to dragoons because dragoons have wind uh, elemental on their on their um, on their spears. So when you jump, you do massive damage to these enemies. And and then you're you're also protected by jumping as well. But it was just funny to have four dragoons and they all jump at once and they all come (laughs) down and do thousands of damage. It's basically one or two rounds and I beat this boss. Um, So it was it was satisfying to kind of figure out those puzzles. you talk to people in the town. I think you get the Dragoon class around that time. But you talk to people and they're kind of mentioning, you know, the Dragoon class and how this enemy might be weak to it or fearful of it or something. Um, so it does that. It does. It, it, it's not like you don't know. You're not kind of going into these situations totally blind. You just have to either talk or, you know, talk to people nearby or maybe do a little bit of experimenting or something. But yeah, it, it was it was fun when the puzzle pieces kind of fit together like that. And you've realized oh, this job class is just going to wreck this boss, you know, but otherwise I'm probably going to have a hard time. Yeah, well, it's just like you said, it's, it, I would call it, I would agree that it's there, It's more puzzle, puzzle-based combat than, yeah. uh, you know, grind, grind the, the grinding and the ground and pound sort of thing where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I, I didn't quite get it. I'll just go take 10 minutes to do some grinding and then I'll be leveled up enough to get through it. It's like, no, you kind of have to think like, okay, the boss does this and then the boss does that. And what, what do I need to, what jobs do I need? Which is a clever design really, because it, it I, I always enjoy that they, they give you, they incentivize you to experiment with the jobs because mm-hmm. like I could easily just, you know, fall back to old habits and be like, okay, well I got my, you know, I got my dark knight, which is going to be my warrior and my dragoon 
and then a white mage and a black mage and then just kind of go about my business like it's yeah. so to to have that incentive to play around with things is definitely worth it and what's what's nice is because there's so many classes like you 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 do really want to you don't want to stay like a, a warrior or a knight the whole time you want to switch to another physical class like a dark knight or a thief or something you you're even your mages you don't want to stay there the same time you might want to switch to a scholar i think the scholar has like a, a peep or search ability that lets them find out what an enemy's weakness is there's, well, there's one boss that continually shifts weaknesses so you want to use that class against the boss to figure out what what its weakness is changing to, so you can hit it with a spell. Um, so Definitely you can some weaker classes though. Like there's, oh, I don't, yeah. like I I never bothered with the red mage. Um, no, no, I, I don't think I really use the evoker. I think I started to, and then I'm like, ah, like this is is that the summoner? Thing. Yeah, I used it a lot actually. Oh, after, really? well, yeah, because I, I got I got like Bahamut and Titan uh, summons. You beat. You fight Bahamut like uh, he's I think he's near the starting of the game. You go back there when you got your airship and you fight Bahamut and you beat him. He becomes a summon uh, uh, again. The, summon, the summon becomes an item and you have to you use it once and then it's gone. So you have to kind of choose who your evoker, your summoner is going to be. Right. Yeah. But yeah, the, the Bahamut summon was doing a ton of damage. I think there might be there are some other kind of optional ones like that. You can go fight Odin, I think, underneath one of the castles. And I guess he becomes a summon for you as well. So it, it does some of those things we would see in other games. Like Final Fantasy IV basically does the exact same thing of fight Bahamut, get Bahamut as a summon, fight Odin, get Odin as a summon. Those yeah. things happened in three first. So some of the things that we like about future Final Fantasies, again, they had their start here. So it's, it, you have to kind of respect this game for being an experiment that would pay off more down the line, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I found I found some of those optional bosses pretty tough. Uh, they, they were maybe some of the better challenges. Uh, I don't remember the the final boss being super hard. I probably did a little bit of grinding, but it was more like um, again I mentioned the, the ninja class earlier. I'm throwing these these items at the final boss. It's just so so much damage. Like that was a huge part of my strategy in in, in taking the game, uh, finishing off the game, and rolling credits. Um, but yeah, I, I'm trying to think, you know, what else we, we were going to talk about the map. So, uh, there, there are two worlds to the map. There's almost like a, a mini continent and then a large continent. David, do you remember how that yeah. worked? I'm trying to rack my brain a bit. Yeah. So there's when you, so when you start the game, there's like a world that you're kind of walking around and, and kind of starting out in or whatever. And then you get to the point where, uh, I guess if you haven't played the game and you really want to go in. Uh, fresh you might want to skip this part because it's a bit of a spoiler <laughs> um, is that you the the party uh, is is or they find out that they're actually on a floating island um, so it's so there's like this little so you're kind of like in a mini world where it's this island that's floating above like the main world and um, so you get access to the main world after that so you find out that you know, uh, I think Sid, I think the story, oh, it's been a while, but I think the story right. is, is that like Sid has an airship or something from like the below world. And then they end up crashing or uh, on, on this world. And the four orphans are like taken, taken in. And that's, that's like your warriors of light or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I'm trying to think, and that, that's the, this part of the reason why this, the story is kind of like, eh, cause because it all comes down to like there was these there was like this one main wizard I guess and then he had like three proteges yeah and two of the proteges I guess you know got gifts that were decent and then the third one uh, who was like the villain of the games uh, Zond I think it's how it's pronounced something like that something maybe like. yeah um, 
kind of felt like he got the shaft. (laughs) So so the game was basically like him trying to figure out how to, how to, you know, get something better or something like, I think he was gifted with like mortality and thought it was like, Oh, screw this. Like, well, I don't want to die. And so he's, so the whole point of the game is you're trying to like stop this guy from, from doing something that's going to harm the world. But yeah, it definitely opens up when, once you realize like, Oh, there's a whole nother world out there that, that now you like the map kind of explodes and you have all this other area that you can explore with, uh, with your airship. I'm trying to, Oh, sorry. I was trying to look something up. I was looking up, um, uh, one of the town themes, I think, is just particularly beautiful in the in the um, the uh, arranged the uh, orchestral version of it, but I, I couldn't find it. Um, I, I wanted to comment on the, the the spell effects in particular here because the summons some of the, some of them are crazy. Like the Bahamut summon, like this, this the whole screen is just filled with like fire, like this fiery kind of circle that that expands outwards. So th- I think that was one of the th- reasons I stuck with the evoker class longer than I did is because just the, the spell effects were really like, cool. And I'm like, there, yeah, the, the bomb, it like comes out. It, it, it reminds me of, of the one in four. And I'd like to actually compare them when I go and play, uh, FF4 and get the Bahamut summon compared to this one in three, but it just was one of the things that stuck out to me. Like seeing, uh, imagine if you, you're playing an NES game, and so, uh, I would love to even compare that version, the NES version of three, to this Pixel Remaster to see how that how that kind of uh, manifested. Like summon summon abilities and how they're portrayed on screen have become such a massive part of the series, right? Like ever since summons and idolons whatever became a thing. It was always like, okay, how are they going to do it bigger? How are they going to do it better? From like the you know two minute long like Knights of the Round and FF Seven, and now we've got <laughs> FF Sixteen where you basically turn into the summons and you're fighting as the summons in this new game, yeah. right? So it's always just been such a huge part of the series. So uh, yeah, I was just kind of thinking about that as well. Not to jump ahead uh, because we will have a FF Four episode, but yeah. it's funny that you say that animations because there was one uh, I just recently finished FF Four and. Uh, there's this one there in the, the final dungeon. There's these, I can't remember what they're called, but they're like these giant robot mech sort of things. Yeah. And they have, uh, he, he has like a kind of a mega man arm. And one of the moves they do is flamethrower. Mm. And, uh, and a beam of fire comes from, from the arm and it go kind of goes up and down the, the party members. So it's, yeah. so it, you can, it's like, you're watching the, the, like the monster's not moving, but, the animation makes it look like the monster is actually hitting you with like an actual flamethrower. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that's like, really cool. Yeah. Like it, those types of animations uh, are, are terrific. Like I remember, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago we played final fantasy four on mm-hmm. PSP. I think so. And yeah. just remembering it's like, okay, like it, that was kind of the first evolution of these different animations that, that have been added from the original that just kind of give it a little extra flair. But the pixel remasters just boost that like to a hunt, like, to 11 from from even those beautiful like that the ff4 the psp version of ff4 was always like the most beautiful version to me but mm-hmm. now like these pixel remasters kind of just blow them all out of the water yeah i, th- I mean they, they obviously focused on making these just very visually appealing and you might not like the character sprites i think that's a choice uh, i'm sure some people do like them i'm fine with them but I, I but i think the way they've made the backgrounds and the way spells work and attacks work i think all of that really really stands out um yeah. and i i really like it like i'm i'm not i'm not a purist in, in, in when it comes to visuals necessarily like i yeah i like you know my my eight pixel art games yeah. for sure my 8 bit sprites and stuff like that but but i also really like when they you have that kind of classic look 
combined with modern stuff. I think it just it just works out really well here. Well, um, a lot of those backgrounds were just black. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. That's right. It's true. The the NES, yeah, there was nothing. It was just a black background, and the, yeah. the enemies and the characters were on it. And there was like maybe at the top there was kind of like a landscapey of like yeah, oh, you're like in the swamp or you're in you the forest what, yeah. or something. But, I remember the water one. There'd be like a blue line and maybe a couple of yeah. like white squiggles or some bubbles or something like that, but not much. But you're still sure. just on black. So yes, it, yeah, most I, of it's still I think black it's background. A, it's a well welcome improvement definitely so i i found the this and i want you to put you got to put this in this episode because the theme is just so beautiful but it's uh the village of canaan uh k sorry c-a-n-a-a-n it's one of the first towns you go to and i i literally just stopped playing the game i'm just listening to this music uh <laughs> and it, it is so gorgeous but um thinking of the music another thing we didn't really mention added to these pixel remaster games is that in the main menu there's a sound a sound test or a music player so you can go back and listen to any music, which is nice. I think you can listen to both versions uh, right in that music player. There's also a bestiary you can uh, try to fill up right by meeting all the mm-hmm. enemies in the game. So they did add you know some small things there that I think are, are worth mentioning for sure. Even if they did cut content, um, the, these it's hard to say these aren't the best versions of the original games. You know the the original yeah. release. If you just think of it that way, and then they've added on top of that. In no achievements though it. in the Switch version, I'm assuming. Eh? No, there isn't. Yeah, so it would have been That's nice if they had um, uh, kind of game in- achievements built into the game. But yeah, I guess mm-hmm. you're, you're if you're looking for achievements, you're you're definitely uh, on PlayStation or, or Steam. There, I guess I guess mobile would have their own uh, set of achievements as well. But yeah, no, no, no built-in ones. Uh, I, I, I can't say I've ever played them. You haven't finished all the mobile <laughs> versions. Well, you're not a true gamer, and then David, sorry, I hate to hate to break it to you, but. Yeah. If that's what it takes, I'll, I'll gladly wear that uh, proudly on my sleeve. That's good. Yeah, you, you and me both. So yeah. where where do you kind of land on like putting FF3 just in the pantheon of Final Fantasies? Like, you know, we're, we're about to have 16, 16 mainline games here. Like since playing the Pixel Remaster and maybe this being your first time finishing the game, like where, where, where do you slot this game in? Like for me, after finishing it recently, it's definitely higher than I would have put it uh, before before this Pixel Remaster release. It's it's kind of tough because I feel like I feel like I appreciate the game more, but then I'm like looking at well what comes down, <laughs> and, and then that's where things fall apart for me because I'm like well yeah like it's it's definitely like I would say uh, in in the overall video game I definitely raise it way up higher than in overall video games, but I don't know if it comes out of my bottom tier uh, of Final Fantasy games still. Cause I'm just thinking like, well, what, what, you know, what comes down? Like it's, it feels like when I play the final fantasy, I remember why it's great. And then it moves back up. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like no matter what it is. Uh, so I don't know. I, like I you have say- to play all, all of the mainline games back to back to back in order to come up with like your definitive like ranking. Yeah. Right? The only way that that's really, cause it, I always fall into the recency bias where it's like, well, that that was an amazing experience. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it was better than that last one. And then I'll play that one like a year later. I'm like, what was I thinking? That one was amazing. Like, so I just, when I when I rough. only had the experience of playing the DS remake, I think my opinion of the game was pretty low. I, I just don't think that's a very good way to go through the game. Um, no. And again, yeah, it's, it's 3D, but it's, it's pretty muddy because it's, it's DS visuals, right? I think this is this is uh, unless you're like, again, downloading a ROM that's got added content and like really good grab. I don't know how you do it. Fine. Maybe it's out there. This is the best version of this game to play. I I think we can just say that. Um, I 
after finishing this one, I I don't know if it's controversial. Maybe you'll think between us is controversial. I think it's better than FF1, actually. Um, I, I don't know that I, I obviously I don't have such strong feelings of nostalgia. I think just looking at it, trying to look at it objectively, I think it's better than the first game. Not by much, if, but yeah. I, by a little bit. I think it is. Well, I wouldn't disagree with that. Like I, yeah. if if someone just played like all the first three and said, well, the third one's my favorite. I'd be like, OK, like, that's fine. Like, I oh, absolutely. It. Yeah. I, yeah. I honestly, I even if someone played the first five, I think you could I think there could be an argument made for this one being your favorite. Just just in terms of like, it's a little bit more simple. It's a little bit more kind of maybe laid back. If you don't care so much about the story, you just want to do the job class. I know I five say, did it better. But... Wise, I think I think there's the arguments definitely there. Yeah. Uh, if if when you start to get into the story, I think FF4 is a tough, a tough, you know, tough to, to beat that. Yeah, but... yeah, for sure. But gameplay wise, like just having all of the, uh, you know, the the freedom of the job classes and all that, like then yeah, I I would say three is probably the strongest of the of the initial ones. But and three definitely has the most airships. Like I, yes. I don't, I haven't played a Final Fantasy game with more different airships, and the, and FF four has a lot of airships too. But I this say, one yeah, they got more. they got a few. I I remember it's uh, close. <laughs> it's yeah. close. Well, they got two airships and a, a whale and a hovercraft. So that's right. That's right. This one has um, there's the basic one that crashes. There's one uh, that lets you go through the mountains. Uh, one lets you go underwater. I was gonna uh, say there's a submarine in this one. Yeah, and I don't yeah. recall any. Well, there's sort of a sub in the first game, but you don't get to pilot it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I guess the closest we get is Force Hovercraft. But yeah, no, I, I think FF3 is a good, I think it's a good game. I don't think it's a bad game. I think this is a, a very uh, welcome version of it. Uh, I'm really happy to have had the chance to finally go through it beginning to end. Um, and it did surprise me a little bit. I don't think it does more than you would expect, really. Like from a, from an NES Final Fantasy game, I think it's mm-hmm. it's right there. But yeah, I, I just, again, I was, I was mentioning on our FF1 episode, like kind of playing them side by side. I feel like I, I learned to really yeah just respect what ff3 is doing and seeing that progression from the games from game to game um it'll be interesting to uh compare it again with with four and then five especially thinking about the job class system side by side but we'll, we'll do that in those episodes obviously mm-hmm. yeah um i think that'll take us to the end of our discussion of ff3 uh so thanks everybody for joining us for another mini episode of the pixel remaster series uh, we'll be back with another episode very soon. So uh, if you're kind of playing along with us, that's great. You know, let us know, you know, maybe what your ranking is going to be or if your opinions of these games are changing, you know, based on uh, this, you know, playing them now in 2023 versus maybe an original release or a different a different version of it or a ROM or something like that. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you. You can email David, David at the thirstymage.com. We've got a discord. David, how can people find our discord or get in there? Uh, I think the easiest way is to go to the thirstymage.com and then there's a link to the discord up in the top right hand corner. Hmm, perfect. Uh, we're also on Spotify. Uh, our, our Spotify audience seems to have been growing. So if you're listening to us on Spotify, thank you. Uh, we'd love if you left us a, a rating or I think you can leave questions on there as well. That would be great. Yep. Uh, love to interact more with our Spotify fans. Um, but yeah, that'll do us for this week and we'll be back soon with another Pixel Remaster entry. Bye for now. Yeah.